So these guys are going to share a little bit about marriage and ministry with us. Um, and then we'll have an opportunity for you guys to um, yeah, fire some questions at them. So we'll have a roving mic going around. Um, but yeah, do you want to kind of start us off and then... Yes, I'll start us off by doing a bit of a history in three minutes of Steve and Nicole. Uh, So when I met Steve, I've already mentioned he was headed off into ministry and my mum didn't think a lot about that. But I was actually really excited about that and I I had never thought about being a minister's wife. But when Steve said, um, going off into ministry, if you're going to have a relationship with me, that's it. Um, I went, I'd actually really enjoy that. I... Um, love the gospel, love Jesus, and couldn't think of anything better. So that's that's how we headed off. Um, went to college. We worked in an Anglican church at Kellyville for five years, and part of that was doing a church plant alongside another pastor uh, for two years at Rouse Hill. So that was a great experience and a chance to learn. Um, I was very happy there. Steve tapped me on the shoulder just after our third child was born, like two weeks later, said... I want to go and do a church plant somewhere else on my own. And I, th- I just we said, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> just had a baby. We've got three kids under four. Anyway, so wrestled with that uh, before God, but off we went. Um, happily went off in the end, but didn't, yeah. Um, Port Macquarie, uh, this is our church that we started with. So we uh, went up there. Uh, got introduced by Andrew Hurd actually to a, a small group that was had been meeting in a home for a year. Um, there was, I guess just before we came, there was only six adults that we were going to start with. But by the time we got physically got there, there was 15 adults, 20 kids um, ready to launch that God pulled together. So that's kind of our core group. Um, Ten years on, we're over 400 people. That includes children. Um, so this is just a snapshot. We've moved buildings three times. Uh, we've, I'd, I'd say we've had six to seven years of what we would say was a honeymoon. We uh, loved, loved church planting. Didn't think there were any problems with church planting. There was, but there um, ministry. We, we loved it. It was awesome. Uh, lots of growth, lots of people becoming Christians. Then the last three to four years have been really hard. So that's the context we speak out of today. Um, the last three to four years, we've actually plateaued uh, in our growth, not seeing as many people become Christians. Uh, we've had conflicts, we've had stuff changes, we've had battles with false teaching in our church. Um, it's not in our church anymore, but uh, that's where we've had our family. So do you want to put our family? Um, couldn't find a photo of when we moved to port. We only had three. That's because it wasn't digital photos back then. <laughs> anyway, um, that's a few years in. So uh, then, yep, that's, do you want to do our family now? So our family now are four to 14. We're a very outdoor family. I uh, love the ocean, so I love being in Port Macquarie. Um, as far as our family's concerned, we we think our kids are oblivious to the fishbowl at this stage. We we kind of keep asking them questions about what it's like to be past children and they're like, I don't know, it's just normal for them at this age. So that's to be seen. Um, one of our children wants to be a pastor like his dad. So that's nice at this age. Um, we're watching our oldest two who are teenagers bear fruit in keeping with the fact that they are Christians and so that's been really lovely to watch the last few years. Um, Anything else? Oh, but we've also, in our family, um, we're not the rosy family, we've also had rebellion, behaviour issues, anxiety issues, health issues, uh, dyslexia, there's all all sorts of other things going on. my role in our church, I was thinking about those five roles yesterday, I think I'd fit into the high-functioning volunteer primarily, but I definitely verge to the two-in-one sometimes, um, probably when I'm feeling sorry for myself, that's when I, when I feel like that. Uh, 
Uh, also work one day a week as a physio and I have done that for the last five years. Um, so I describe myself as 100% invested but with a very different capacity and gifts to Steve. I'm more the behind-the-scenes person um, and my primary responsibility is our family. Uh, I'd describe you as beautiful, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, relationships which include our marriages, uh, um, they're, they're like a rock tumbler or a rock grinder. Uh, I forget who I got this illustration from, but th- they can be like a rock tumbler as we push up against each other. We, we can be polished and refined. And, and so our marriages are like God's sanctifying work in our lives. Or they could be like a rock grinder as we push up against each other. We're splintery and uh, they're more Satan's tool for destruction. And church planting pressures, uh, yeah, they're like the rock tumbler, rock grinder. They throw us in and they include all sorts of things, don't they? Like being on call, uh, money pressures, conflict, uh, the loneliness of leadership, conflict, uh, busyness and conflict. <laughs> The fishbowl experience and yeah, pressure not to fail, moving away from friends and family, all sorts of pressures. And uh, they act either as a tumbler or a grinder. And over our 15 years out of college, uh, we've seen uh, marriage, ministry marriages, some flourish wonderfully. And sadly, we've also seen some disintegrate. And so it's uh, with uh, this in mind, oh, I should also say, but... Um, Jesus is better, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he, he's got our back and he is wonderful, uh, but there is a war going on. Our sinful nature and Satan's doing everything uh, they can. And with that war in mind, Nicole and I want to share our, our marriage and ministry experience. Don't know if we want to. A little nerve-wracking being in front of you guys. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and we've structured our experience around eight principles uh, that uh, we try and hold to. And the first one is remember the sanctifying power of the gospel. You know, what we preach to our people is what we need to practice in our lives. Uh, Colossians 3 uh, reminds us that uh, we have been raised to new life in Christ. And, and so we're to be putting on our new self, and that includes in our marriages, you know, putting on compassion, kindness, humility, forgiveness, thankfulness, love. You know, when we come home tired after a big Sunday of church, what is it that's going to cause us to serve each other no, rather than just ourselves? Well, it's the Spirit's work in our lives uh, through the reminder of God's Word to deny ourselves. And over the years, if we're honest, uh, over the years and uh, pressures, our repentance before God has repeatedly rescued us from that downward spiral of conflict between us. And uh, Nicole will share some of that. Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to share an example. Um, there's been many where only God's word has rescued our marriage from a lot more conflict than we could have had. So I tend to be a bit of a workaholic, always been that way. And because I love ministry, that translates into a ministryaholic. Um, I tend to find my identity and satisfaction in whatever ministry I do. In the early years of our ministry as a stay-at-home mum, so this was at Rouse Hill and going into Port Macquarie, One issue in our marriage was my resentment of Steve. Uh, I was resentful, really strongly resentful, that Steve got to spend his day doing meaningful ministry tasks, whereas I had to be home with the kids. Um, Seemed very insignificant to me, you know, holding crying baby, doing endless amounts of washing, and at best cooking a meal for someone else. Um, I lived in self-pity. That wouldn't be too strong to say that. Uh, my my discontented heart showed itself when Steve got home from a great ministry day. I just wasn't excited. Uh, when our kids' sickness limited my ministry tasks, don't you like the my? Um, very arrogant. Uh, when that happened, I think, why does Steve get to go out and do ministry whereas I have to stay home for mine? That just doesn't make sense to me. And uh, at church on Sundays, that whole 
being landed with the kids, whereas Steve got to go and do all this amazing stuff. Um, So on the surface, that looked like a marriage problem. It caused grief between us, but it was really a heart problem, and it was my heart problem. I needed to be transformed by God's truth and repent, and thankfully, God got me doing that. Um, Just through Psalm 78 was a great one, but also Titus 2... Proverbs 31, meditating on that a lot, just getting the perspective that God had on motherhood to raise the next generation for Jesus. And once I understood that, that helped take some of that resentment away. Um, God also showed me that I could do everything, even washing to his glory. That was a big thing. And I had to put off my identity that was very wrapped up in ministry success. Um, I didn't know that's what it was in and put on my identity in Christ. Um, It did take until our fourth child, till Steve got to live with a contented wife, I'm sad to say. It sounds worse than it was. Um, But speaking of fourth child, um, when Nicole and I were discussing whether to try for number four or not, uh, Nicole put an ultimatum on the table that was a game changer. Uh, She said, Steve, if we're going to go for number four and God gives us number four, you've got to stop being so grumpy. Uh, It was an eye-opener. My grumpiness with the kids was a constant issue between Nicole and I. And, um, yeah, so I have lots of sympathy for couples that are still in the baby and toddler era. Yeah, sleep deprivation is a form of torture, yeah? Yeah. And I used lack of sleep as an excuse to be ungodly to Nicole and to the kids. Uh, Here's the pathetic part. I could put the warm, happy pastor face on for church, but come home and be grumpy husband, grumpy dad. Nicole's rebuke prompted me to repent of my sinful demand to be surrounded by the comfort that I deserve. Yeah. And so my grumpiness, I came to see, was a choice, and it is a choice. And this has been an area of godliness I continue to work on, and, and which, surprise, surprise, has uh, led to more harmony within our marriage. And and so, husbands, if the glory of God doesn't motivate you, maybe the slow roast will. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's principle one. Principle two, let your marriage, let our marriages be an example. Our society's values leave people ill-equipped for a healthy marriage. Uh, Individualism, hedonism, materialism, they don't teach sacrificial love for one another. And Christians, however, we know God's plan for marriage. It is other person-centred. Marriage is to be enjoyed as God's good gift. Uh, I, I find Christopher Ash's definition of marriage helpful and memorable, probably because it has the word sex in it, so I remember it. But marriage is sex in the service of God. And thirdly, we also know that marriage is a sign of a relationship between Jesus and his church. And uh, we believe that sign is best signed, best exemplified through a husband and his sacrificial leadership and a wife and her responsive submission. Uh, Now, Nicole and I, in our better moments, count it a privilege to exemplify the gospel of Jesus through our marriage uh, to our congregations, who in turn will then, by the grace of God, exemplify to a world looking in. See, whether we like it or not, we set the culture of our churches. Uh, and therefore marriage culture of our churches. Uh, Paul told Timothy, set believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Uh, We had to fight the tendency to resist the fishbowl experience and instead embrace it. Uh, And here's three specific ways we've tried to work at doing that in our marriage. Uh, Firstly, uh, I intentionally looked for ways to exemplify an involved sacrificial husband. Uh, Nicole did want to shoulder the burden of looking after the kids on a Sunday. I mean, we're busy. Uh, Without a doubt, I'm having the lead at multiple levels on a Sunday and in various ways. Uh, And so there's a real sense in which over our 10 years, Nicole's a single mum on a Sunday. Uh, But I still wanted to take opportunities to show what it is to be a husband to church. 
And so I tried to show love. I made it a, a help, uh, habit to welcome my family when they arrived, uh, to sit with them. Uh, I'm a slow learner. Somebody said to me uh, once, are you married, Steve? And I'm like, okay, I better start sitting with my family. Uh, I'd grab a child and hold them after church and have conversations with people and, uh, when, when they were younger, a bit, <laughs> bit too big now. Uh, Nicole was a trooper when it came to our kids' churches and getting them up and running, so I'd duck off and help her pack up or train people to pack her rooms up. And we also worked practically at including singles in our family. So, yeah, sometimes we would sit separate on a Sunday or invite a single person to come in with us uh, to model that uh, kingdom value is sitting over our family value as well. Uh, Secondly, Nicole wanted to exemplify being a helpmate. And one of the ways she did this was partnering with me in hospitality. Uh, we, We had a tons of meetings in our home when we first kicked off leaders meetings newcomers coming around uh, uh, our house was fairly open and so one of the ways people got to see us together as a family was being in our home and seeing that through these meetings uh, Nicole showed confidence in my leadership uh, in meetings uh, but was bold enough uh, to speak up and ask clarification questions when I wasn't so clear yeah Uh, Wives, keep being your uh, husband's helpmate. Uh, We need you, and it shows off the glorious design of of God's design of doing sex uh, uh, in the service of God. And and thirdly, we intentionally spoke within our growth groups about our struggles to be godly. Uh, We we shared our foibles. Uh, Nicole spoke of her struggle to encourage uh, rather than be critical of me, and started conversations about what it practically looked like to submit and respect her husband. Uh, and I spoke to others of my struggle to put family needs ahead of my own when I came home tired and exhausted, but rather trying hard to engage. Okay. Um. Our third thought is the importance of investing in our family by using routines. Um, We're an FIC church, the point, and part of the pastoral care is that Jim Ramsey comes and visits us once a year, um, which we love and stays in our home. I was hanging out the washing one day and Jim said to me, Nicole, how's your marriage at the moment? I said... If our marriage had been like this the last 14 years, it would not have survived. Um, I think he was a bit shocked. Uh, But I said, because there's enough trust deposit in the bank account, because it hasn't been like this for 14 years, um, we've got hope that it's not going to stay like that for long. So um, it's interesting thinking about what had happened in that six months before Jim asked me that question, and it was actually this that we'd lost our routines as a family. We'd been busy before, we'd had conflicts before, we'd had pastoral issues before, but we'd somehow managed to retain some sort of routine where we were investing in us and the kids, but at that season we didn't. And uh, that's helped us see the value of routines. Um, So we're just going to talk through a few of our routines. Okay. So here we go. So there's, I'm not going to say a lot about them. You can ask about them in question time if you want. So we've, Steve's tried to have regular family time in our daily routine. That's changed depending on how old the kids are. When the kids were younger, he tended to have a couple of afternoons off a week so we could go to the beach or park. Uh, Whereas now our kids are older, so you work hard all day and try and have a couple of nights off. Um, Steve does have one does the six-day work one day off, uh, but he's found the best way to do family on that day off is to take a Saturday off. So uh, once our kids reach school days, that's what he has done. Um, One of the things I love about that is Saturday has become not Saturday. It's been termed by our kids' daddy's fun day. Um, So they look forward to that day as this is the day we get to do something awesome as a family with dad, whether it's, it's normally outdoors, but we try and do something, um, yeah. 
family devotions has been a big part of our family time, which brings lots and lots of laughter. I don't know about you guys, but we often don't get through our family devotions. Um, yeah, they go crazy. Uh, Steve's been strong on the no answering the phone rule during our day off and through dinner time. Don't know what you guys do, but uh, Steve was very influenced probably a couple of years into our ministry before we got to Port Macquarie by Peter Brain's book, Going the Distance. Uh, about He remembers a illustration about a pastor's kid who turned to Buddhism uh, and when asked what happened, uh, he said, I couldn't follow Dad's God because whenever someone knocked on the door at dinner time, Dad immediately ran to answer it. But whenever I knocked on the door of his study when he was prepping a sermon, he yelled me away. Um, so based on that, I've watched Steve always tell our kids, you can come down to my office, which is in our house, um, whenever you like. They don't do it very often, but that's another part of his way of investing in our family. Um, we've done the date lunch thing, which we love once a week. It's going to sound like we don't do any work, but that's not true. <laughs> he works really hard. <laughs> so they don't all work at once. Okay. Um, daily time to talk with each other. We try and after dinner when the kids are all happy. Isn't it amazing how you feed kids and they're happy? So we take that time to say, off you go, go away, and um, spend some time chatting together about the day. Um, holidays have been a source of tension for us. We get to holidays and we fight. I can see a few nods out there. Um, I think we haven't in the last few years. We must have done something right. But what we found was Steve made the mistake of thinking, I'm on holidays, I get to switch off to everything. Uh, so that meant switching off to the family, not just work. Um, I made the mistake of going, I'm on holidays, I love to read Christian books, I'm going to think about all these great ministry ideas and then tell my husband, so he didn't get to switch off from work. <laughs> um, so we now monitor, we go away, we've tried the holiday at home thing, doesn't work when it's in churches in your house. Um, we do no ministry talk and I have to choose wise books, uh, biographies, nothing to do with ministry and Steve has to switch on to our family from day one and that seems to work. Uh, another routine we found helpful, um, as church planters, we seem to write a lot of goal and strategy documents um, so Steve and I thought, we're going to do that for our church, and I do one for myself. Um, we need to do one for the kids. So we try and do that every year together so we feel like we're on the same page together as a family. Um, with each of our kids, we think about them, how we can love them better in the next year, uh, how, what character issues they have and how we want to grow their character. Um, we're very amb ambitious, aren't we? Uh, and what devotions, what, what thing do we need to work on teaching them that year? So that sets our year up well. Uh, marriage and parenting books, we've also had a commitment to reading one of them every couple of years, so it just makes us think about marriage and family. Um, I love it when I see Steve reading a marriage book and I haven't asked him to. And he's not reading it for prepping a sermon. He's reading it for us. That, that's pretty cool. Um, one more thing. Just I've, I've done a slide there with, in blue, all the routines that Steve has initiated or maintained for us. Um, so as you can see, Steve has actually initiated most of these routines and he maintains them. We have weeks where we don't have uh, days off. Steve doesn't. We've had, we've had that recently. He's had a few weeks in a row with no day off. Uh, we have had about six months with no date lunch. So we go through bad patches, but Steve will bring us back um, to those. And that's meant a lot to me because uh, I'm not the nagging wife. I know that he is committed to us as a family over ministry, not over ministry, but along with ministry. Okay, that one. Did you want to say anything? No, good. Um, I'm going to talk fourthly about being aware of 
over-functioning. Um, everyone know what over-functioning is? Kind of. I don't know, it's a bit of a in-word, but um, you could just say overworking. Um, this is something that Steve and I have had to really watch. So we're both type A personalities, love working hard, have perfectionistic tendencies. Um, at its best, this means we sacrificially love people in our church and we work hard at spreading the gospel. Uh, at its worst, we look for the praise of men in our rescuing behaviour. We hurt other people as we enable them in their dysfunction. We fail to do the important work of training leaders uh, while we rescue people. Uh, we fail to delegate jobs to people in our church who are eager to do good works. We just haven't told them what there is to do. Um, but most of all, we hurt each other and our kids because in our busyness we become increasingly emotional, un emotionally unavailable to each other and our kids. Uh, I love this diagram. I've got a stool diagram too. <laughs> um, it's just an arch heart one. If you don't know it, it's a great uh, little diagram about marriage. The three components of a safe haven marriage are sensitive responsiveness so we don't yell at each other or be sarcastic when we speak. Um, we trust each other, we're reliable, we trust that our spouse is for us, but we're also emotionally available for each other. When we overwork, both of us, uh, we are not emotionally available at all. In our head we're thinking ministry, um, I know I'm overworking when my kids constantly say, Mum, I told you that yesterday. Mum, I told you that last week. Uh, and also when I resent their sick days. Our kids have had a lot of sick days. And when I go, oh, I just want to get on with ministry, I know there's something wrong. Um, so I just want to talk through a couple of ways we've overfunctioned to our detriment in our marriage. Steve's going to talk of a couple. I'll talk of a couple. Uh, one of the things is, I guess we've had a f fairly good growth period in our church at various points. Um, I like to try and fill in all the gaps, uh, which doesn't work too well. And also when we've had a staff down, I go, Steve, I'll do it. Um, but it ends up in disaster. I end up focused on that rather than our kids. Um, but other times... When there has been gaps, I have, and I've, I've put up my hand, it has worked because it suited my gifting and time. So that would be the case with kids' ministry in our church. That's something I've loved, saw a need, and gone into rightly, whereas there's other things I've done in church that I shouldn't have, and we end up fighting and disaster, and I have to pull out. Um, the, other, the other way I overfunction is with conflict. Uh, so... I uh, had a girl who I've uh, been very close friends with and ministry partner with for six years. Uh, in the whole year before Steve had a conflict with her husband, uh, she'd asked me to meet up with her and we were doing that weekly to pray, read the Bible, become very, very close. Steve has a conflict, big rift. Uh, Over-functioning for me after that conflict, which still hasn't really been resolved, meant that I keep, kept pushing Steve to go back to them to try and make it work. Come on, Steve, we must be doing something wrong, you know. Um, so we could, yeah, we could build that relationship back rather than just realising, well, we're responsible for our actions in this. We can't be responsible for their uh, response. So that's been a big learning curve for me. Uh. Sound like a bad guy, don't I? Conflicts and um, uh, one of the areas I've seen this overfunctioning uh, play out as a real weakness in my life is in the area of criticism. Uh, you know, the life of a leader is a life of criticism, uh, and when I overfunction for how people respond to my leadership, I become oversensitive. Uh, and this makes life very tough for my number one and most loving critic, uh, Nicole. Uh, Nicole is best positioned to help my leadership grow, but how can she push in if I'm just being a big sook when it comes to criticism? 
And so Nicole is a wonderful gift from God. She doesn't need to worry and be you know, walking on eggshells around me. Yeah. And also with over-functioning, Nicole sort of hinted at this, not leaving uh, emotional energy for our family. And, and this has been the big one for us. Uh, as we've had to watch our pastoral care together, particularly for people around our church. You know, in the early days, we were the go-to people. We were the people that most new people knew around church. And someone advised me in the early days, invest and equip uh, your people through the growth group structure to do pastoral care, to do the New Testament, love one another. And so, you know, a few years into the church plan, it's, it was great to see that actually happening and some of the pastoral care load taken away from us. Um, oh, no, no, I'm not done. I'm not done. Um, yeah, and because I tend to have like an ADHD brain, that, that can be a good thing when it comes to strategy, but it's a really bad thing when it just comes to running conversations and issues and decisions over in your head. Uh, I read C.J. Mahaney's book, Humility, and uh, he gave a little helpful point. You sleep as a time to deal with that. So as I'm going to bed at night, remember God is sovereign. Uh, he's the one, according to Psalm 121, that never needs to sleep or slumber. I'm just a clay pot. I need to sleep. And so let it go. And you can sing the song. Um, uh, yeah, so it, sleep's actually become uh, something helpful for me to remember God's sovereignty in all of this. Using the language of overfunctioning lets you know where we've found some help, doesn't it? Uh, Jenny Brown and her work on family systems and that book, Growing Yourself Up. And also the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation has been extremely helpful. I don't know how many years we've been reading their stuff. Guys like David Powlison, Ed Welsh, the Tripp Brothers, but there's a ton of others as well. And just their illustration of work out what your circle of responsibility is and where are you pushing that out into your circle of concern. And, and don't overfunction in that circle of concern. Yes, still love and we'll push into it. But remember, there's a difference between circle of responsibility and circle of concern. And that's been really helpful for us to, uh, re in particular for me, because I'm proud and arrogant, to remember Jesus is the hero. He always is. Fancy that. Uh, it's not me. And then there's also been real fruit and just the joy of seeing people do ministry and releasing others for ministry as well through this. Yeah. Okay, uh, I get to talk about how loneliness and friendships are gifts for growth. One of the lessons I keep having to relearn is that loneliness is a gift for my growth. I don't like loneliness. Um, early in our church plant, we felt very loved. So I said we had a seven-year honeymoon period. People were excited by our church. Um, church members encouraged us as leaders uh, but over the years, we've uh, people have seen our weaknesses. Uh, they've disliked our push for change driven by kingdom growth. Uh, people have criticised us, left our church community. And some of these have been friends we have heavily invested in. Uh, sometimes I haven't responded well to this. I've grieved way too long, um, become anxious, so anxious a few years ago that I had to tell Steve not to tell me anything at all bad about church for a whole and it, that lasted for a year because I just couldn't cope with it um so ministry has felt lonely at times um and too often that has produced bad fruit in our marriage uh, the bad fruit has involved unchecked anger self-pity anxiety self-protection uh, our conversations have fostered a negative view of God, ministry and other people. But in our better moments, because God gives you better moments, um, we have seen loneliness as a gift for our growth, a gift given by our great comforter God. We've heard about that this last two days. Uh, we've mined the scriptures for comfort. We've reminded each other of God's goodness and sovereignty. And I have learned of my responsibility as Steve's wife to point him to Christ's sustaining grace and the gospel's power, even though he's a jar of clay. Um, these I've just put up three passages that have actually sustained us through some really lonely times that we've encouraged each other with. Uh, so Hebrews 12 has been a big one. We often say to each other, painful, but be trained by it. 
keep being trained by it. Um, I've loved Hebrews 6.10. Often we feel things are unjust, but I love that God is not unjust. He will not forget the work we've done. Um, Even if it's not great work, he he won't forget our motives that we've done it out of love for him. Um, Yeah. Uh, friendships. So we talked about loneliness as a gift from God, friendships as a gift from God. I would go so far as to say that uh, the main means of grace God has used to keep us in ministry, apart from his word, um, and I'm sure people's prayers for us, is the encouragement given by Christian friends. Uh, in our 10 years at the point, friends have strengthened us when we're weary, those in our, par- in our congregation and outside. I just want to tell you about a couple of friends I've had within the congregation that have played an important part in my life. Uh, so six years ago, after I'd made some, I'd had a couple of friends who'd left our church and thought, wow, I haven't chosen friends really well. Um, I invited two girls that I wasn't necessarily friends with but were ministry-minded to pray with me. We still meet fortnightly, so that was six years ago, and they're very close friends, and they encourage me greatly in the gospel. And what I love about uh, meeting up regularly with people in our congregation who aren't married to ministers is that they remind me that life is full of groaning, whether you're in ministry or not. And that counteracts the lie I often believe, ministry's harder, ministry's harder. And so I, when I go and talk to them, I think, oh, it's not, okay, this is just life's hard, you know. Um, we all struggle with our sin, we all have times when our husbands are down or discouraged or overworked, and um, so that's been good to remind me our role in life doesn't define us, it's being a Christian that does. Yeah, cool. Um, Nicole's a powerful helpmate in my ministry and when our marriage is strong I feel like I could take on the world. I've never tried it but I feel like I could. Um, however I also am thankful for uh, some couple of friends. Um, there's one peer and two older blokes. Um, they get uh, biblical manhood, they get leadership and they know me. Uh, they have been God's gift uh, to encourage and rebuke me uh, you know, into the man that God calls me to be. And these men don't live in port, so it's phone calls, usually monthly, and we see each other once a year. But also, by God's grace, I have a couple of friends in church. Uh, early on, a Christian leader told Nicole and I not to have any friends in church. Now, how can you pastor to your friends? Uh, I want to respectfully say... If it's possible to be respectful with what I'm about to say, it's the dumbest advice I've ever heard. Uh, Ironing, sharpening iron is a gift from God. And if we don't have some of that sharpening going on in church, I believe it says something about our personal isolation and independence. And our posture of isolation and independence will set a culture of isolation and independence. Okay, friends, a gift from God. Six uh, principle, repent of sinful patterns in your marriage. That's for you guys, not for us. We haven't had any. Um, Yeah, we began our church plant. Somebody must have said something to us uh, about with a pact to never speak ill of people in front of our kids. Uh, For years, we prided ourselves on the fact that we didn't say anything bad about the people within our church in front of our kids. If anything, we did the opposite. We built our brothers and sisters up in front of our kids. Uh, And over, um, but um, what we did find was that we were speaking ill to each other. Uh, We we were holding that behind. And I wonder if it's the kids getting older and you realise, ooh, we've now got to sort of move aside and whisper something. And that was the trigger for something bad was going on. Uh, Over time, as we felt the pain of living with sinners in our church, of which we were the two foremost, our debriefing about people and situations in ministry slowly morphed into gossip. At times our debriefing hardened our hearts towards other people. We shouldn't have been surprised, though. You know, what does James 3 say? Uh, The tongue can poison a whole body. Now, praise God, he did convict us that our style of debriefing was sinful. 
We saw that the root needed, that needed pulling out was judgmentalism and demanding uh, from other people. And uh, we've repented, not of debriefing altogether, just how we were doing it and how often. Uh, so we now try and take our grief to God first. Uh, I have a little black book. Please don't Facebook that out of context. Steve has a black book. Um, it's a journal. And when I'm going through a season of conflict, of hardship, sitting down, usually in the Psalms, and just pouring that grief out to God first. Uh, we also sh- uh, now better try to better share, considering the danger that our debriefing might do for each other. Uh, will it make Nicole, will it make Steve think less of someone they already struggle with? Uh, Nicole doesn't share some of her difficulties with people that she's having because she knows it will harden my heart towards them. Uh, we, we also ask each other, am I speaking about the same situation, the same person again and again? Or what's wrong with us at that point? If that's happening, we don't share it. We're recognising we need some heart work going on. And we also, as we debrief about other people, now share uh, the ways that we can love those people well. You know the principle, take the log out of your own eye first. And so we try and do that with each other. And, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. And then the prayer for the other person. And not the prayer of, thank you, Lord, I'm not like these other sinners gathered around, but dear Lord, help us to reconcile. Dear, dear Lord, help me to have love for this person. Yeah. Uh, The seventh principle, Uh, I've had to learn to pastor my family through church growth. As as planters, we're we're preachers of the gospel, and when you preach the gospel, God grows. It's awesome. But we also know growth brings change, and change can bring grief. And as leaders, we're trained to help our people uh, change for the sake of kingdom growth. But husbands, do we help our wives with that change? which they'll often feel most acutely. Uh, here's two areas where Nicole's struggled. Um, so the first change that I struggled with was the change to our hospitality ministry. So in the first few years of our church plant, our ministry was very relational. Um, I loved having people over to our house multiple times a week. I know not everyone does, but I love that. I loved inviting every new person back to our house, meeting them in our lounge room, Now, as the church grew, things changed. Leaders' meetings moved from our home to our new church office. Um, I grieve that. Newcomers all came together once a month rather than on their own, and I grieve that. Um, I didn't get to know people as well. And my extroverted Steve, who I'd married and begun ministry with, became an introvert. I've heard that from other people too. Um, He didn't want to spend time with people on our day off. I thought that was bit rough. Um, Anyway, that's number one change. Number two change was I struggled with moving from ministering under Steve, with Steve, to ministering with and under other leaders. Um, I really liked working with my husband. Uh, We worked well together. He encouraged me, knew my strengths, covered over all my weaknesses, valued my opinions. um, And rightly so, other leaders didn't know me. They thought differently and they wanted to change things that Steve and I had put in place, heaven forbid. Um, and they had the added aw- awkwardness of working with the wife of the pastor and wondering, you know, was I speaking with his blessing or on my own? So I found that quite awkward. Um, we've re- recently realised our kids too feel the change of church growth and we've realised that uh, we had a young adults group meeting in our home, which for the sake of kingdom growth and Steve changing roles, he's given up this year. And our, we didn't talk about it with our kids and they have really grieved that. Um, and they keep asking when we're going to do it again. And we didn't explain the reasons we were doing it for kingdom growth and we wish we'd done that. Mm. Yeah, so a couple of thoughts for husbands. Um, Care for our wives as church grows. Uh, talk with them about the changes before they're going to happen. They don't get to go as, to as many conferences. They don't read as many books as we do on this stuff. And so just preparing them before things happen. Uh, that, that's an uh, issue of Nicole shifting to working under other staff members or other leaders. 
Um, someone helped us think through that one a bit more. I wish, with hindsight now, a couple of situations I would have sat uh, the staff member or the leader down with Nicole and set the agenda for how this relationship's going to work rather than say, yeah, you guys, you'll work it out. Nicole and I worked it out, so you, you will as well. I should have been leading that relationship a bit more. And, and thirdly, in the end, uh, we must encourage each other to follow Jesus. You know, sacrifice for his church, for kingdom growth, take up our cross. Uh, we must gently expose each other's resistance to take up our cross. I remember when we were moving out of the first uh, primary school hall because we outgrew it, um, Nicole said, no, I like this small church. You're moving so that we can grow. Don't do that. And I'm like, who are you? What have you done? And it was the relationships that she was grieving as we were growing. And now... She says, Steve, get out of the house and go tell someone about Jesus. What are you doing for mission? So let's be patient with our family, with our wives uh, through all this process change. Yeah, eighth um, principle. Okay, lucky last. Um, So I wonder if this is one of the most important. Well, number one is the most important, but encourage, encourage, encourage. Um, How important is encouraging each other? 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Is that the wrong one? No, next one. Uh, yep. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage each other and build one another up. Proverbs 12.18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want to have words that bring healing and encouragement to Steve. Uh, when our marriage lacks warmth, uh, we usually trace it back to not enough time together or losing our routines or growing lazy with our tongues. Um, a couple of thoughts. One is I must watch closely my encouragement to critique ratio. I'm an ideas person. Oh, I think I've got ideas. I constantly dream up new initiatives. I love to give my opinion to Steve about what outreach strategy we should try, what we should implement from the latest book I read, um, what application he should put in his sermon this week. I'm a bit bossy, aren't I? Um, When he listens, does he hear my great ideas? No, he, he says he hears more expectations, more pressure to perform, more criticism. Um, so I'm learning the wisdom of encouraging more, criticising less, and even booking in times to discuss my ideas. Um, I'm trying to stick to... Sam, Sam Crabtree has got a great book called Practicing Affirmation. I think it's great, where he recommends a 10 to 1 ratio of affirmation to critique with our spouses. Um, and... One thing I found really helpful over the last few years is, although a little American, there's a blog called Revive Our Hearts, and it's got a 30-day encouraging your husband challenge, and um, I just found it so challenging because I realised that it actually challenged me to not say anything bad about Steve to Steve for 30 days, and I <laughs> struggled. <laughs> had to keep repeating <laughs> I had to keep repeating the challenge till I could do it. Um, anyway, so while affirmation builds up, encouragement from God's word is what gives truth and hope. So I love that I'm in a God-ordained position as a wife to remind my husband of the gospel when he fails and God's strength when he's weak. Uh, over the years, we've wrestled with how best to give God's truth to each other without being preachy. Uh, here's three ways that have worked for us. Firstly, we just listen. That's hard for me. Um, but then bring God's truth to bear when we pray together. Secondly, we share something we've been reading in the Bible that week. It constantly amazes me and Steve that we will often be reading in our Bible um, something that will minister to each other um, that we can bring to bear. So that's pretty cool. And we also use slogans that have a shared history. Um, If you listened in on one of our conversations, you would hear us using phrases from sermons or books we've read, uh, we both read, phrases like, grace, not expectation. Let them know or let it go. Jesus is the saviour, not you. Progress, not perfection. Don't expect healthy responses from unhealthy people better than I deserve, and suck it up, princess. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's great to have a shared history uh, 
which then turns the conversations back to God's word for us. Faith, not fear. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nicole tells me that um, without encouragement for me over the last 10 years, she wouldn't have been as involved in ministry that she has been um, uh, and content to be the stay-at-home mum and the volunteer minister uh, around. And honestly, um, love you to come in and see the kids' ministry that happens around our church. Um, she's been behind a lot of that, uh, the equipping of our women that she's been involved with. But over the years, Nicole's needed my encouragement and prompting in that as well, and that's been helpful for her. Uh, men, we're God's tools to help our wives flourish uh, rather than just uh, live under this burden of expectation or fear. Uh, yeah, We love marriage and our marriage being in a ministry context it's a privilege it's it's a privilege that we don't deserve and so we're thankful that after 10 years of uh, you know we're not a church planter anymore but um 10 years in that we love coming back from a holiday and being at the point it's our church it's our family where we're part of and uh, looking back i could see that over those 10 years we're thankful that God has used a rock tumbler rather than a grinder. There's been a lot of repentance and deliberate pursuing of godliness because uh, it yeah, could have destroyed us. Um, but uh, there is much joy. God didn't design marriage and ministry as vehicles for our happiness, but we are happy. God has designed our marriages and ministry as a means of grace for redemption. Yeah. Okay. Questions. Hello. If it's only ten minutes for questions, we failed, didn't we? Yeah, we went too long. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, lots of failure, absolutely. And so there's been some uh, banter back and forth. I can't remember any off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it's just felt more like a criticism initially than anything. Um, I remember some advice from more college. Uh, when you're critiquing somebody's sermon, give it a day or two before you push in on the critique side of things. And so a little bit of distance between the behaviour when the correction is coming. Um, and then, yeah, I also think, uh, we're definitely not experts on this, Cathy, um, but there's no two ways around it. Criticism is criticism. And so a history of a loving marriage of going, that's right, she loves me in this, and this is for me, this isn't against me, and uh, sometimes my initial reaction is, well, you're stupid, aren't you? And then coming back a day later and repenting of that reaction of her criticism. But, yeah, but nothing profound, sorry. Mm. Um, I think that was more about when I have ideas for ministry. Is that what you mean? So not necessarily ideas for Steve on his where he needs to change. Um, although I do have thoughts about that, though. On <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we've been that formal, but I reckon that's a good answer to Kathy's question. Um, and so maybe scheduling a times in like that, if you're finding as a couple that this regularly needs to happen. But for us, it's been more informal, and when there's been an opportunity and. Oh, yeah, I've appreciated Nicole's thoughtfulness in how she uh, both phrases and her timing over the years. It's, and I, we're probably still working it out, to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, so what are some examples? Yeah, what, what are some examples of goals we've set for our kids? Um, yeah, so do you know, I thought I was going to be asked this and I should have looked back at one of them. Um, we have a very shy daughter. So, so she's now 13, but uh, really struggles with taking initiative, uh, being, just being confident. So one of our goals this year was to help. I've got a simple goal was to encourage her to be involved in something at church that uh, she could take on as her own and be confident in. So we've been working on that. Um, Yeah, um, another one of our children uh, is not overly empathetic. Um, he's great at just setting his mind to something and going forward. Um, and so uh, five years back, I remember setting a couple of goals around helping Matthew see things from other people's perspective of um, yeah, you, you jumping all over your sister and brothers. At that point, have you thought about their perspective and just helping him grow in empathy? And another one of our children... Uh, just um, struggling with high anxiety uh, and, and so setting some goals around the issue that we're, we're setting. So, um, so yeah. Um, just thinking back to ministry when you had small children, um, kind of thinking back, were there things that you perhaps would have done differently to kind of help um, uh, in perhaps increase your capacity or reduce your resentment. So whether it was, you know, um, putting children in childcare so that you could actually have a day where you could focus on ministry, or, or I don't know, anything that you would do differently. Or um, I probably wouldn't do it differently because I'm stubborn. Um, <laughs> but I think I've. So I had a very strong view that um, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mum with my kids. Uh, until they were five, so that was just my my. Str- well, obviously preschool was okay, but that was just where what it was. So any ministry I did had to be around them. Um, that was just a value I had. Don't think it's wrong or right, but yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if this is related, Renee, but I think from my perspective, to have helped Nicole a bit more, to be more intentional from day one about investing, equipping leaders around church. So, yeah, Nicole probably did carry a burden of ministry around church that I could have, we could have more quickly handed on to other leaders around church if I would have been more intentional from the get-go about equipping leaders and releasing some of her ministry. Yeah, we were hoarders of ministry early on, I'll say that. We, we weren't equippers, so we had to learn that the hard way. I just noticed in the routines and everything that every spare day off, afternoon off, you said, and Steve, then invest in the family... And so I just wondered, what from when, when I counsel people on things, there's a lot of burnout from guys who feel there's always something, want, someone wants something from me all the time. They just have to push a lever and I have to perform. Is there any time you have for your own brain space or your own physical space from the family on your days off or your afternoon or whatever? What do you That's do for a you? That's great. Oh, oh, should I let you answer it? Yeah. It's a great question. I'm glad you clarified that because uh, that day off, is Steve relaxing but around the family but we do try and do something for a couple of hours so it's not where we're with each other the whole day um, if that helps so but we'll go to the park for a few hours or the beach or something together yeah 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 thank you um, should I lay down on a lounge right now um, yeah so um, I'd Personally, I'm not wired to only wait for one day for that as well. So exercise has been important for me for some of that. Um, there was a bit of resentment early on in the younger days of our kids when they were younger of losing some fishing time and seeing them as an imposition. So there was a bit of a mindset shift uh, as well. And, um, and then, yeah, recently it's been a readjusting because uh, I've been diagnosed with arthritis in my hips. So have to stop impact of jogging and basketball um, and uh, 
that there's been a cost to that, and that's been the very issue of, okay, where do I re-energise outside of family, outside of ministry, outside of friends? Um, an elliptical cross trainer. It's wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. you are intentionally trying to get that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so intentionally trying to get... Um, so I'm reluctant to use the me time because of how that can be abused, um, but I think, yeah, you're right, it's important. And then on the flip side, the, the danger of the me time is, hey, wait a minute, family is me time. This is my family. This is my legacy, and this is awesome too. So getting that right. Uh, you mentioned your family devotion time is really fun and, and the kids go crazy. I'm just wondering what that looked like when they were younger and how that's changed as they've grown. Yeah. Um, I know we use... When our kids were younger, we just used lots of kids' Bibles and um, the good book company stuff. So we didn't... I I am reflecting more on the last few years when I say we erupt into laughter a lot. So we have a 12-year-old, 14-year-old, and um, now we've taken to just reading a psalm and a proverb each night and praying together. So, But we often only read... We read the proverb and talk about it and then they go off on tangents and have great conversations about how it applies, but it always ends up in some crazy story. So, Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time. Why don't I also thank God for Steve and Nicole and the work they're doing at Point. You can stay up here or you can go. All right. God will see you anyway. Uh, how about I'll pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of one another and the gift of other couples that we can gain wisdom from. Lord, we thank you for the way that your kingdom is growing in Port Macquarie. And we pray for Steve and Nicole and their four kids that they would uh, keep trusting Jesus right to the end, that they'd fix their eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. And we pray for us that as we apply some of the things we've talked about over the last weekend, Um, that you'd be giving us wisdom, helping us to have the conversations we need to have and not avoiding the conversations we need to have. Uh, And we pray that we'd be doing this for your glory's sake. Amen.